At the end of the day, this is what I keep coming back to. We knew better than to go down that staircase alone. Geronimo, motherfucker. Let me get some light on it. Actual stairs. So I guess we... Go to hell. I'm Blake Elrich, and this is Out of Sight. I never thought I'd say this. What? But maybe you should take a break and play with your pyramid? We're several hours out from the haunted Holloway Hotel in Western Missouri. Laz and I found a pile of our favorite kind of answers, ones that led to more questions. The huge stash of papers we found confirmed the existence of two forces that have been driving our lives for a while. The mysterious Leap Year Society, eccentrics obsessed with tracking down paranormal phenomena, and the CORA, Q-O-R-A, stands for Quantum Origin Redaction Apparatus, a device that has the power to erase things and people from living memory. The LYS has been searching for it since the early 50s, and we're pretty sure that Vincent, the man who made Lazari immortal and cursed her to be eternally forgotten, has it in his possession and is using it on innocent people. Now you're pro-pyramid after you gave me all that shit? I'm just saying, I know how obsessed you get with stuff. Maybe switch it up a little. I can't. I'm close to something. What? Whatever Vincent is looking for at those coordinates. Any leads? Maybe. I figured there's gotta be something that links it all together. A common theme. Something that gets mentioned over and over. And this? Lazari holds up a diagram with what looks like a quarter-sized clear lens on it. Is the best candidate so far. It's mentioned a couple dozen times. The lens. What does it do? That's what's breaking my brain right now. There's too much material, and it's all stupid cryptic. Then take a break. Come back to it with a clear head. I can't just sit here and do nothing. That's what I'm saying. Play with your pyramid. Wild to think we might face him in a few hours. Yeah. Should we have a weapon or something? Like a gun? He's immortal. Okay, or a taser? Great way to shock your own nuts. Yeah, probably. A little later, Laz takes the wheel, and I decide to do a little digging on our coordinates. Stole Kansas. And surprisingly, there's quite a bit about it online. Check this out. Stoll is a tiny, unincorporated settlement 20 minutes out of Topeka, founded in 1857. At the peak of its growth in the mid-19th century, it had a few houses, a grocery store, a post office, and a population of about 50. In 1867, the community built an evangelical church surrounded by a small but picturesque graveyard. That graveyard is home to one of those quintessentially American urban legends. You know how internet rabbit holes can be. One second, you're just mildly curious. The next, you haven't seen the sun in weeks. I've been completely silent at this point for about an hour. You okay over there? The stall thing. It's fascinating. Hard to separate fact from fiction. Give me the rundown. I got something even better. During my deep dive into the legends of Stoll, Kansas, I found this recording of an old radio show from the early 2000s. It's called Unseen Things. Paranormal, high strangeness stuff mostly from the looks of it. Sort of like Coast to Coast, if Coast to Coast was recorded in someone's basement. I tracked down an episode they did on Stull. It's what I play for Lazari, and I think it's best to just play it for you, too. 
Welcome back to Unseen Things. We have something really interesting for you today. If you've ever listened to the show before, you've probably heard me talk about Stull, Kansas. It's one of my favorite urban legends. Well, today we have in studio an actual local. He lives in Lawrence, which is only about 20 minutes east of Stull, and he says he knows quite a lot about the local stories. His name is Earl Brown. Welcome to the show, Earl. Thanks for having me. You know, I've always wanted to visit Stull. Well, I wouldn't if I were you. They don't take very kindly to strangers over there. Too much vandalism, too many graves being disrespected. Would you tell us a little about Stull? Well, that place has always been different, far back as I can remember. One of those where if you were passing through, you'd keep right on passing. The rumor is it's cursed. I don't believe in curses, but that place has a bad reputation. Maybe it doesn't deserve it. Maybe it does. The legends say they used to hang people there? Yep. This was well before Stull was founded. Not even sure it's true, but that's what the legends say, and the legends stuck. Supposedly, there was an old hanging tree there before Stull ever existed. Back when it was in a wild countryside, and you'd have to trek in from neighboring towns to watch a hanging. The road people took to get to it, they called that the Devil's Road. Once Stull was up and running, the church was built, and they hallowed the land. Built a graveyard right up around the old hanging tree. Is the tree still there? No, no. No, that was cut down in the 90s to keep people from gawking. Demolished the church, too. Same reason. Why did people want to get a look at the church? Built in the 1860s, abandoned in the 1920s, demolished in the early 2000s. I I got to see it before then. Weird building. Weird how? Cold. I mean, you felt it the second you went through the doors. Why did you go in? Oldest reason in the world. You took a girl. Uh, yeah, yep. <laughs> Wanted to scare her, so maybe she'd huddle a little closer to me. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I just wanted to show her the old tree, tell her some stories. But it started raining, really raining, pouring. So we run inside the church, you know. And it was a ruin then, but it was the closest place to go. Of course. Except, it was old and dilapidated, right? Cracks, holes, broken windows, roof half gone. We should have been able to hear that storm like we were standing outside. But it was completely muffled. Like we walked into a different world. And the amazing part, what I still can't wrap my head around. More than 40 years later, the most amazing thing was... The inside of that church was bone dry. We were just hoping for a bit of shelter. Instead, we stayed completely dry while we watched the rain come down from above. Awesome. And while we tried to figure that out, a wind picked up. Not sure where the wind was coming from, but it got stronger and stronger, gusting all around us, carried my damn hat off. And then, in the wind... Maybe it was just my imagination. What did you hear? Screaming. Unearthly screaming. God, that is so cool. Whatever you say. My girl wouldn't talk to me again that night. But when we told other folks later, a lot of them had seen the same stuff there. And that's why people think it's a gateway to hell? That's what they say just waiting to be opened. 
but only if you can find it. Lots of people tried once the story spread. They started having to kick people off the premises. Eventually, new owners came in and demolished the church and cut down the tree. Who? Who owns it now? Never met the man. Don't think anyone has. Don't think he's local. Is it normal for some random guy who doesn't live here to own that land? I don't know what's normal, kid. You said you'd have to find it. The gateway. What does that mean? The way the legend goes... Before the church was built, the town mayor was visited by a beautiful woman. Some say it's an angel. Some think it was the devil in disguise. Whoever she was, she whispered in the mayor's ear, told him the land had a terrible secret, an entrance to somewhere else. Somewhere dark and evil. A gateway to hell. Right. Well... They say the angel showed the mayor this hidden place and it drove him right out of his mind. He used all his resources to build the church over the gateway. Maybe he hoped prayer would keep the devil away. But that wasn't his only defense. He also built a door over it, one with an elaborate lock. That's a lot of work for a small town 19th century mayor. (laughs) I didn't write the stories. Stull never even had a mayor. It was never big enough. So whatever happened to him, it couldn't be... What happened? Story goes, he was standing in the church at night, guarding his door. A local stable boy had caught on and thought he was guarding a buried treasure. Murdered him there in cold blood. Brutal. Yep. They say mayor's blood spilled on the door and sealed it for good. So if you find it, The only way to unseal it would be to spill your own blood, but I wouldn't recommend it. If you do that, a deep pit will open, and it'll drag you to hell. Where's this door supposed to be? You're not going to go getting yourself in trouble, right? Oh, no way. (laughs) Oh, I am much more comfortable behind a mic than out in the field. Nobody's certain exactly where it's hidden. That's the point. But once I heard something about drawing a straight line from the hanging tree to the church, that'll reveal it. Whatever that means. So, interesting. Right? That's got to be what we're looking for. I don't know. Kind of sounds like your typical Alcoa sombrero bullshit to me. Oh, come on. Whatever, nerd. I'm pulling over. I want to keep going through the stuff we got at the hotel. You've only been driving for an hour. Hey, you did your research, now let me do mine. (sighs) Jesus, I can't say no to you. I know. It only takes a couple more hours before we arrive at a gas station in Lawrence, Kansas. The town Earl was from. Stoll is just down the road, and I jump out to fill our tank and grab an energy drink. When I come back, Lazaria is halfway out the RV window, waving papers around excitedly. I got it. This is what Godric wanted us to find. I told you how this lens keeps popping up. There's a blueprint, but also tons of references in the letters and journals and shit. It's been taking me forever to figure out why these guys care about it so much. What'd you find? There's a lot of arguing over what to do with the lens if Godric finds it. Leave it where it is, or use it to nullify... Nullify what? The Korra. Wait, 
What does a lens have to do with- Best guess here? The Korra hits you with some kind of energy, turns you into a living ghost. It touches you and it's like a shock or a pulse goes into you. So this lens you're talking about- I think it does something to the Korra energy. Fuck, I don't know, but maybe... I almost don't even want to say it. Nullifies or reverses. Don't, okay? Don't. Fine, forget what it does. Let's just get to it first. If half the LYS guys wanted to leave it where it is, where is that? Again, these guys are cryptic. The one common factor in all the references to the lens's location is that it's the last place anyone would ever want to go. I know that's broad as fuck, but I was thinking... Hell. Oh, shit. The last place anyone would ever want to go. Luckily, the gateway to hell is only a couple miles down that road. Okay, we're entering the graveyard now. There's a bunch of no trespassing signs, but the gate's open. Hmm. Is it too on brand if I say I find cemeteries at night peaceful? I'm gonna say just the right amount on brand. Ah. So Earl said the church was built directly over the gateway. Except they demolished the church like 20 years ago. There's gotta be something. Old bricks or foundation? Just picking through rubble in an old graveyard. Typical Saturday night. Blake. You found it? The foundation? Second best thing. Well, maybe not even that, but I did find the guy in the radio show. Earl? Earl mentioned an old hanging tree. A straight line from the tree to the church. It can't be far. Takes another half hour of tromping in mostly straight lines radiating from the stump. But then... You okay? Yeah, I just tripped over. It's half demolished, half buried in grass and dirt, but it's clearly the remnants of a small stone wall. Bingo. We only have to dig about six inches into the muddy ground before we uncover a section of wall with something carved into it. You recognize that sigil? It's vaguely familiar. Multiple concentric circles inside a triangle. I mean... It's not from the Ars Gosha, it's not from Libra Armadale, but I do know it somehow. Yeah, it's ringing a bell for me too. Remind me of what Earl said about opening it. Uh, supposedly we have to spill blood on it, which sounds like shit kids would make up. <sighs> the gateway demands a sacrifice, classic. Alright, give me your hand. You just carry a knife around? I'm a living ghost, my blood might not even register, it's gotta be you. You can have a knife, but I can't have a taser. You're stalling. What? Oh my god. And before I even know what's happening, Lazari grabs my wrist and... Ow! Oh. Done. Fuck, that stings! Jesus! Come on, wipe it on there. God! Gotta get goddamn tetanus! Huh. 
Maybe it needs more blood. No way. That's all it gets. I'm kidding. It's gotta be something else. We should definitely do this again next week. Oh, come on. Stop it. This is killing me. What is that sigil? Look, I don't even remotely have your background in the occult, and I still think I know it. Okay, what symbols are we both familiar with? Maybe something from Godric's satchel. Or the papers from room 2902? Something that made a big impression on both of us. What if we went back through? Holy fuck. What? Concentric circles inside a triangle. Right? I'll be right back. Lazari takes off for the RV like a bullet from a gun. I stay by the church wall. It was hard enough to find the first time. Within a couple of minutes, she's back with Lindsay Martinez's pyramid from a nightmare. Oh, triangles. Bingo. She shifts away more dirt and presses one side of the pyramid into the triangular sigil. It fits goddamn perfectly. And some of the markings almost match. How did we not see this immediately? It's just really hard to remember shit from one context to another. For months, I've been thinking, I'm doing it wrong. Why can't I get it to open? But... Maybe it doesn't open. But that piece inside... Maybe the piece isn't supposed to come out. Once she has Lindsay's pyramid configured in a way that matches the markings on the wall, Lazari presses it into the sigil. The loose piece inside the pyramid rattles around frantically as if someone was shaking it. Then it's like it gets sucked onto the wall, like it's being pulled by a magnet. That's definitely promising ground beneath our feet shudders. We jump back, away from the wall, right before the entire area below our feet gives way. Geronimo, motherfucker. Let me get some light on it. Whoa. Actual stairs. Narrow stone steps under the ground, leading into deep darkness. So I guess we... Go to hell. One lesson me and Lazari finally learned. Smartphone flashlights aren't going to cut it. Big-ass mag lights all the way. The walls on either side of us are rough stone for the first dozen yards. But as we walk, it smooths out under our fingers. Soon, it's glassy and sleek, almost like polished marble. The steps beneath us go from crooked and cracked to perfectly even. Check out the walls. More of those tiny symbols. Not like any language I've ever seen before. Aliens. Okay, spider. After what seems like hours, the stairs finally level out into flat stone ground. Ahead of us is a gigantic double door, etched with those same strange symbols on the walls behind us. It's like something from an ancient civilization. In Kansas? People were here before it was Kansas. Should we... knock? But Laz just reaches forward and pushes. Oh, wow. Looks like the light's coming from multiple sources high up on the walls. Maybe lamps? But they almost look like stones or crystals. Blue and green and violet. They couldn't have power running down here, could they? They've got something. The room itself... Cavern? Chamber? Whatever it is, it's 
huge. The walls are, are like the stairs, granite-like, with symbols etched all over. Oh, Zeri's signaling me to... Touch it, Blake. Touch the wall. Shit. Right? It's like there's energy, like the warm hood of a running car coming from the wall. The whole room is thrumming with it. Blake, stop. What? Stop moving. Look, just ahead of you. The wall stops. The floor stops. Everything stops. She's right. We're on a shelf of rock. Below us is a chasm. Too dark to say for sure, but there's a powerful sense that it goes down for miles. Suspended over this vast pit is a platform connected to our ledge by narrow metal struts. But you can see, sitting on the platform is some kind of chest. That's gotta be what we're here for. Because it's impossible to get to. That's how you can always tell. I could jump it. No, Blake, you couldn't. We're so fucking close. What about these struts? I, I, I could climb over. They're narrower than your feet. I have to at least try. No. Fuck. I do. What? I'm smaller. I'm more graceful. It's gotta be me. You hate heights. Blake, you know it's gotta be me. If you fall, I'm climbing down there and killing you. Fair. After taking off her pack and all her equipment, Lazari climbs up onto one of the struts that connect the suspended platform to our ledge. She is small and more graceful than me, sure. But that's a thin beam, and it's a long way down. She spreads her arms like a tightrope walker and slowly edges forward. Only a few feet into the journey, though, she stops. You okay? Get him. King is like wobbling. Come back. No, fuck that. The whole journey is like 20 feet, maybe a minute in duration. I experience it like the scariest decade I've ever lived through. Then finally. We made it! Oh, Jesus, thank Christ. Good job, you badass. Can you get that chest open? Whoa. You feel that? I feel it. Lazari reaches in. There's no doubt the item in that chest is something powerful. It radiates a field of something, cold and hot and chaotic. It reminds me of the hole in that apartment building basement, of Nick Araboa's house or that ancient dorm elevator, or that feeling you get when you hold a piece of Lindsay Martinez's nightmare art in your hand. It's like a cushion pouch. I'm trying to get it open without... <sighs> okay, got it. Lazari reaches inside the pouch and pulls something out I can't see at first. Blake! Blake, holy shit, I was right. Laz stands, turns, and holds aloft a clear lens, about the size of a quarter. My light's pointing right at her face, which is how I'm able to see the exact moment it changes from overjoyed triumph to terror and despair. What? 
Laz, what? Talk to me! Don't shoot! He's unarmed! What? And then I realize the sickening truth. She's talking to someone behind me. Put the gun down! He can't hurt you! No! He can't! Can he? He steps out of the shadows into my beam of light. He's smiling. She's right! I'm unarmed! Even if you weren't, you couldn't hurt me. I don't have to ask who he is. That's partly due to the police sketch at the Holloway Hotel. But mainly, it's because of the item he's holding. I can feel it from here. The energy coming from it is strong. Stronger than the lens. Stronger than anything I've ever felt. But more than that, it's familiar. It feels like the first memories I have of Lazari. That's gotta be the Cora, which makes you... Vincent Lichter, your humble servant. What do you want? Thirty years, Leila Zazeki. Thirty years, and that's how you greet me. Did you miss me at all? Go fuck yourself. You're being extremely frivolous with this boy's life, Leila. God, you haven't changed. Neither of you, apparently. Arrogant, yet extremely competent. Look at you. Standing in an unknown haven, holding the very thing I've been hunting for decades. Well done. Very well done. Now, bring it to me, child. Child, I'm 50 years old. And I'm nearly three times that. Remember who taught you what you know? Who made you ageless and unkillable? And invisible and alone. Yes. I'm very sorry for that, truly. I couldn't risk you telling the world about my studies while they were still in progress. Were those people in Colorado part of your studies, too? Of course. Technology as complex as the Cora requires decades of field trials. The Cora you stole. Destroyed lives for. And I do it again, in a heartbeat. Those people are part of something greater now. More than they ever could have hoped to achieve in their tiny lives. Not like you, Leila. You've always had such potential. I never forgot you. Even when the rest of the world did. Oh, that's why you treated me like shit. Because I'm important to you. Look at it from my point of view. What else could I do? I had just given the secret of immortality to a wild, fickle child. The greatest discovery in human history. As much as it pained me, how could I trust that you'd never tell your friends or family? This is my life's work, Layla. Stop calling me that! Oh, right. It's Lazari now, isn't it? Because nothing's quite so empowering as a half-baked moniker. Fuck you, Vincent. That's her name. You found a stunning conversationalist in this boy, Lazari. Now, I'll tell you one last time. Bring me what you're holding. You don't know what it is, do you? How? You've been after this thing for decades. He couldn't get to the papers at the Holloway. He couldn't get past Rose. Perhaps not. But you two have gathered all the information for me, so... While we're at it, why don't you tell me everything you know about that thing you're holding? What has it got to do with my Cora? Over my dead body. No, darling. 
over his. Wait, 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 How wait, much wait. do you actually know about the Korra, Leila? You think what you're suffering right now is the worst it can do? If I were to adjust it to its most intense setting like this... Okay, Vincent, It's wait. awful, isn't it? Everyone in your life, your parents, your friends, they can only remember you exist to the moment of your redaction. What could be worse than that? Unless... They didn't remember you at all. If no one remembered you, if every trace of your existence was extracted from space and time, if even your mother couldn't remember your birth, you'd be left wandering the earth a true phantom. And then, if you were to die, say for example, by falling into a deep pit in an underground cavern, well, it's almost as if you never existed at all. It's not a hypothetical, Leila. I can do that to this boy right now. Jesus, Vincent! Don't! Harry, stay there! It'll be quite painless. You'll forget him less than a second after I activate it. And then you can come with me. Please don't. Then tell me what that is. I'll tell you. If she won't, I will. Just don't shoot. Vincent smooths his hair back, collecting himself, and he nods. I turn directly into the beam of Lazari's flashlight so she can see my face while I speak. According to the papers we found at the Holloway Hotel, it's called The Lens. You can use it to rescue people who've been redacted. How? Supposedly, supposedly, if if you look through it, you can detect weak points between realities. I, I guess they can be used to launch rescue missions? That's all we can figure out. God damn it! That's it? Those society cretins all this time. Vincent, just put, put that thing away. I'll, I'll bring the lens to you. I'll, I'll cross the strip right now. No, no. You'll stay right there. Two against one is hardly fair. You're going to throw that lens to this boy, and then he's going to hand it to me. You want me to throw a piece of glass? It's okay, Laz. It's okay. I, I got it. It's like... Playing catch in the backyard. Did you ever play catch in the backyard? Did you throw the fucking thing? Watch my light. Lazari throws the lens, then tracks its arc with her flashlight, or I never would have caught it. But I do catch it, and then immediately turn around and barrel straight into Vincent. We land in a heap on the ground. I grab at the Cora. Vincent tries to pull it away. I catch a glimpse of Lazari crossing the wobbling strut at a very unsafe speed. Lazari, go back! Uh, let go of it! Let go! Vincent wrenches the Cora away and pushes me off. I fall back on my ass as he rises to his feet, the muscles in his jaw clenching furiously. You put your filthy hands on the Cora, you nothing! You, you vacuum! Wait, hold up! As Vincent thrusts the Cora toward me, I catch a glimpse of Lazari nearly falling off the strut, just barely staying on. Don't do it, Vincent! You fucking insect! Welcome to an eternity of absence! He looks up just in time to see Lazari leaping from the strut to our side of the chasm. Wait! Wait! As she reaches him, Vincent quickly brings the Cora up and presses it to her chest. I don't understand. What's happening? No, I said it. I take advantage of Vincent's shock to tear the Cora out of his hands. Stay the fuck back. Laz, are you okay? You... you can see me? Are you hurt? Are you injured? You fell pretty hard. Fuck that, like, seriously. You can see me right now? Clearer than ever. 
I turn the Cora sideways and show her where I slotted in the lens during my struggle with Vincent. The lens which undoes the Cora's redaction. Exact spot Godric's journal describes. Laz, I think you're cured. Give it to me! But before she can get into the fight, Vincent rips the device out of my hands, and then everything goes crazy. Vincent Lichter, drop the device. We have you surrounded. Suddenly, the room is full of movement as nearly a dozen people stream in, each holding a sleek black handgun pointed straight at us. A South Asian man in dark glasses seems to be in charge. Don't shoot! Back away from the Cora! Society, Layla? You called in the Leapier Society? I didn't call anybody and my name is Lazari, son of a bitch! Laz punches him so hard he falls on his back, but he's still holding the Cora. Now put it down and put your hands on your head. Not like this. Not like this. Vincent scrambles to the edge of the pit and gains his feet. His nose is bleeding. He looks pissed. As fun as this has been. He runs a hand through his hair to tame it, and suddenly a smile is creeping over his face. He spreads his arms wide and edges back toward the chasm behind him. Grab him! Everyone keep your distance! Come quietly, Vincent. No need for another lost life. (laughs) When have I ever come quietly? And Layla, my darling, keep this safe for me, won't you? Until I can come back for it. Vincent lobs the Cora directly at Lazari. She catches it, and he smiles. I wish you well, Miamor. Perhaps we'll meet again on the other side. Wait. Then Vincent takes a step backwards and throws himself into the pit. He's swallowed into darkness in a matter of seconds. Mortal or not, I don't know how he's coming back from that. What that mean? Until I can come back for it. I don't... Is he dead? That body is gone, but he's far from dead. I have so many questions. I'm sure you do. Follow me. Lazari and I follow our rescuers? Not sure I want to commit to that label just yet. Whoever they are... We follow them up the long staircase. The main guy, the one calling the shots, requests the Cora from Lazari and cradles it preciously the entire way. So, when you say I'm cured... I mean, I slotted the lens into the Cora and the beam it shot reversed the effects. That's why I lied to Vincent about the lens. I didn't want him to know he should keep it away from the Cora. I'm not a living ghost anymore? Here, I'll show you. And I take out my recorder and I play back the last 30 seconds you just heard. I don't know how to describe the look on Lazari's face as she hears her own pure, unfiltered voice for the first time in 30 years. By the time I hit record again, she's weeping. That's me? That's you. Oh, God. Blake. (laughs) Climbing all those stairs is no picnic. But Lazari makes it into a much happier experience by repeatedly recording her voice and playing it back. You can't hear her reactions for obvious reasons, but I wish you could. 
you've never heard such happiness. When we're finally back in the graveyard, sucking in lungfuls of fresh air, the man in charge approaches us, still holding the Cora down at his side. Blake Luzeri. It's been... I'm really happy to finally meet you. Okay, dude, you, you're gonna have to give us a sec here. Of course. There'll be plenty of time to get into the particulars later. I just wanted to introduce myself. As what, the guy who's been playing mind games with us for months? How about Uncle Trevor? <laughs> yes, Uncle Trevor. Ah, uh, yes, I'm finding this really funny too. No, I'm sorry, you're right. Well, we had to know you could do it. We had to know you were right for this. And you are. You've gone above and beyond. What, like an audition? Not in so many words, but this is just how we operate. Look, man, we don't know anything about you. Here, let me correct that. My name is Eric Said. I'm with the Leap Year Society. Yeah, your name and employer aren't going to cut it. Then what would? Answers. Why were you following us? Why have you been manipulating us? Oh, I got one. Why shouldn't we fuck off right now and leave you assholes twisting? Laz. No, fuck this. I almost lost you, Blake. If they don't want us to walk right now, they better have a damn good reason. How about a deal instead? What deal? I'll answer every question you have and any more you can think of in the future. If you both agree to join the society. <laughs> Are you out of your goddamn mind? On what minds? possible basis would we trust you enough to affiliate with you? Because it's not just information I'm offering here. What I'm offering goes far beyond that. If there's one thing I'll say for the LYS, it's that we're damn good at putting our money where our mouth is. You've proven you're more than valuable to us. We want you in. Just give us a chance. I feel like that's what the devil says at the beginning of every cautionary tale. Then let's take it a step at a time. Our vehicles are parked right next to yours. Walk with us across the graveyard. Give me until we get to your car to tell you why the LYS is your future. Why it's the best thing for both of you, individually and together. I'm not asking for your soul. Just walk with me. And in that moment, it hits me. Something that's been true for a while, but I never admitted it to myself until now. I don't make decisions just for myself anymore. And I hope I never will again. Laz, what do you think? Blake, you sure you want to follow me down this rabbit hole? You didn't ask for any of this. I take both of Lazari's hands in mine. This is me asking for it. Okay, Eric Said from the LYS, start talking. Out of Sight, created by Reflector Entertainment, produced by Gideon Media, written by Jessica Kincaid, Directed by Jordana Williams and starring Jorge Cordova and Reina de Corsi. The executive producer is Alexander Amancio. The IP producer is Alexis Otier. Sound design by Bart Fassbender. Music by Yuchiro Oku. And additional writing by Mac Rogers. The executive producer for Gideon Media is Sean Williams. This episode also features. Amanda Duarte, Russell Jordan, Zach Robidas, and Abraham McEnany.